This is the Travel Freedom Podcast. I'm Tomo. And I'm Megzi. And it's time to collect your ticket to world travel and a location-independent lifestyle. Every Thursday, we'll show you how we travel the planet in style, full-time, for as little as $200 per person per month. And every Monday, we interview digital entrepreneurs who reveal the methods to creating a location-independent online income. So subscribe on iTunes now and discover travel freedom for yourself with the Travel Freedom Podcast. This is Travel Mondays episode 069. In this episode, we take on Chiang Mai's busiest walking market. The street is so full of people, it's like being at a rock concert. It's like shoulder to shoulder all the way along. It's pretty crazy. And we discover Thai Canadian fusion, and it's dirty good. In Thailand, they leave the pork belly on top of the ribs. So, like, really good give like, the ribs plus the pork belly 10 hours of smoke. The fat just melts on top of it. It's 10 hours? You took 10 hours? Wow. 10 hours. That 10 hours. This is so good. 10 hours of smoke and 2 days of brine. It's outstanding. Ooh. And then it makes, like, juicy food. <laughs> oh, yeah. It does. good. We should have seen when I cut them. Like, this is, like, this was just, like, fucking... You must feel out. exhilarated. When yeah, I was like, actually, yeah. Hey everyone! Hello, thanks. happy Mondays! Thanks for joining us for part one of our two-part Chiang Mai podcast. Yes! Mm. Ooh. Uh, first off, just so you know, we will be taking another break. Sorry! Yep. Uh, we do need to take a break from podcasting in March so we can focus 100% on the Travel Blog Monetization Virtual Summit. So that's coming up on the 30th of March. And we've got 15 plus speakers and a lot of recordings, handouts, and bonus features to put together to make it like a really kick-ass summit. So we do apologize that we won't be able to keep up with the podcast for that time, but the summit's going to be so freaking good. Yeah. You're going to want to come and uh, catch up with us there. Yeah, if you're a travel blogger, you're definitely going to want to get involved. And if you don't feel like you're making a full-time income from your travel blog and you, you want to be, then yeah, this is definitely the event for you. It's going to run over five days. And as we said, we've got over 15 speakers, plus we're doing various presentations and we're putting everything together. It's massive, 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 massive. Um, you can head to travelblogsummit.com to learn more. If you're lucky and you head there right away, you might still catch the end of our early bird special, which is a 65% discount on the full price, giving you massive discount. Only 100 Super tickets, cheap. so you've got to get in yeah. there quick. There is only 100 tickets, so depending on when you hear this, you might already have missed it, but head to TravelBlogSummit.com and find out. All right, so we spent three months living in Chiang Mai over the New Year period, and it's, well, it's changed a lot since last time we were there in 2011. There's so many more digital nomads there now, it's crazy. Yeah, so of course with the ever-growing influx of expats and tourists, there's also more availability of international goods and international restaurants and all that sort of stuff. Yep, so you can get your ham and your cheese and salami and all that stuff in the major supermarkets. There's hipster coffee shops everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah, and we're going to be talking about the sort of Chiang Mai digital nomad lifestyle a lot in part two, which is coming up in April. So part two of this Chiang Mai podcast, because we weren't living in the center, which is where all the tourists go and all the backpackers go. We were just living in a different neighborhood that was full of nomads. So, yeah. If you want to head to the old town, which you definitely should as well, then that's the more touristy thing. That's where you're going to get all your cultural experiences and your temples and markets and various sort of local restaurants and bars mixed up with the tourist restaurants and bars. It's really a very cool. different world. Completely different world. So in part two, we're going to be talking about how our local neighborhood was. But here in part one, we are going to be talking more about the traditional side of visiting Chiang Mai and the sort of 
and well, some luxury experiences as well. Very nice. Yes. Yeah, Thailand's good for luxury. We did find some but, nice uh, stuff. We were lucky enough to be in Chiang Mai in late November, and that was during the Loi Kratong and Yi Ping festivals, which you probably have heard of. They're actually two different festivals that are celebrated on the exact same day. Well, they're celebrating the same thing, really. It's just, just they in celebrate two in two ways. different ways. Yeah. So it's like a lunar celebration, and I can't remember the exact thing. But the Loi Kratong is the Thai River Lantern Festival, where they put loads of floating lanterns made out of plants and flowers, and they release them onto the river. And this happens all over Thailand, including Chiang Mai. I've been told by some people that it's more of it was more invented in the south, but I've also read some other information that says it was invented all over the place, and they have it everywhere and I but don't know that's know the origins. pretty much just so you know that's the all over Thailand festival no matter where you are on that day that will be going on um so actually Loi Kratong means literally to float a basket and the Ping River in Chiang Mai becomes full with thousands of these floating lanterns over the main few days of the festival so yeah it's pretty crowded it's pretty crazy and it's just everyone's trying to line up to put their own lanterns out on the river but it is a lot of fun and you definitely shouldn't miss it if you're going to be in Thailand at that time. It does happen at different times. We'll talk about the dates later on. So what about the other festival, the Yiping festival? Yes, Yiping is the Lana or Northern Thailand Sky Lantern Festival. So if you've been to Asia before, you might have had the opportunity to release one of the sky lanterns up into the sky. So it's typically like a two foot cylindrical lantern that's made from rice paper and it's kind of wrapped around a, a bamboo or wire frame. And then you put the candle in the middle and you try to light it. Like it, the lighting process is not easy. But you got to get like you got to get the candle lit and you got to get all the heat up into the lantern before it goes up because otherwise it'll just crash into someone's head. Yeah, which is fun. Or into a tree. Or if you into release a it tree. In the wrong place, we saw like that happening a lot. So, but anyway, you've probably seen it where the lanterns go up into the night sky and it's very pretty, if not terrible for the environment, but very pretty. They come and clear it up they do. afterwards, so they do. it's okay. But of course, the best thing about the Yupeng Festival is just the sheer amount of people releasing the lanterns. That's why it's so interesting. There's thousands of them going up into the sky. So anyway, we headed into the center of Chiang Mai back in November to experience this mass release of lanterns, and we've got a clip. This is one of the festivals you will have seen photos of. It's where people release lanterns into the sky. Big floaty lanterns that glow bright orange. And right now we are staring at literally thousands of orange lanterns floating around the sky everywhere. And a everywhere. couple that are just stuck in trees as well. Yeah, some people release them under a tree and now they're just sitting in a tree burning. Good 35 baht well spent. Yeah. <laughs> Straight into a tree. But it is this, I don't know, I was sort of a bit blasé city you now see lots of the abused and used ones that have fallen out of yeah. the sky just lying all over the streets. I do not want to be the local you know cleaner upperers tomorrow. No. Or tonight even it's already starting to litter the streets. With yeah lanterns. yeah it is a bit crazy. I'm just waiting for one to land on my head which I'm sure it will pretty soon. Yeah it does take a while for the heat to actually build up inside the lantern and people try to release them too soon and it just falls on top of other people's heads. Which is always fun. 
some of them seem to set fire to themselves on the way up and there's like sparks coming out of them which yeah, is also crazy fun. the other thing they do here is they release little candles on little floaty things onto the river so they make these oh and we've got some fireworks going on it's just fireworks all night greens and reds and blues firing into the sky all from different areas too it's never from the same spot yeah it's a pretty massive fireworks uh, extravaganza ongoing extravaganza for like four or five hours but we're right by the river at the moment so this is the real touristy area we're surrounded by all tourists there's some locals here as well but yeah but we, more tourists. earlier in the evening we were at a very local wat which is the thai word for temple and we were there and we were pretty much the only white people there the only farangs there are a couple of others but like there wasn't too many and we were everyone was just lighting these candles and you just place it in the river and they just float down the river and you have this beautiful just everything's it's like an up. arcing snake of little lights yeah, flowing down the river yeah it's really nice so you know take a look at the show notes there'll be some cool photos on there definitely the dangerous side is of course everyone can just buy fireworks and firecrackers and shit and just light them off at people there are a lot of five-year-olds setting off fireworks everywhere which is pretty concerning but that's Asia for you <laughs> yeah that happens everywhere but yeah there's something quite mesmerizing about just looking up at the night sky with all of these beautiful lanterns in them yeah compared to what you usually do if you go to the beach in Asia and you have like one lantern or two lanterns and now there's just yeah so many thousands of them every direction you look there's just this massive clump of orange dots in the sky and I actually Everywhere. thought 35 baht was quite affordable one dollar and, and that was a big one that was for a big lantern there's small ones as well but they were sold out of the small ones one US dollar that is yeah it's pretty good for a lantern I thought they were going to be like ridiculous prices you would assume they'd be ripping you off right next to the waterfront you'd think that would be the well they probably are but yeah. yeah maybe 35 baht is a ripple for a bit of candle and some paper so uh, yeah do go to the show notes and check out the pictures because us talking about it is not nearly as magical as uh, some of the awesome pictures we managed to get we do have to also mention that they had to cancel all the flights into Chiang Mai tonight for this yeah the sky is full we're not yeah. kidding <laughs> that's why they only do it on the one night the actual festival runs for a couple of nights but they only do the lanterns on the one night because yeah they have to shut down all airplanes they cannot fly in with all this debris and shit in the sky the dates for these festivals are lunar based so it does vary every year you can check out on google for the exact dates but for this year in 2016 it's set for november 15th 2016 although it seems to sort of go over about three days yeah. and it seems to be like a main day the 15th yeah, everybody's probably confused the main day. about what's going on yeah. when no one knows the so, rules and if you release a lantern on the wrong day then you you'll get, get arrested yeah, because you get in the flight path yeah. and yeah anyway just try and you know keep on blog posts and stuff like that and try to get information so you can be at the right place at the right time. We actually got some really amazing photos when we were releasing the Sky Lanterns down in the center of Chiang Mai near the river. And we were close to the Narawat Bridge, which is where most of the yeah, stuff's going on. it gets on. pretty busy down there, a lot of people. Check out the show notes for that, torrelfreedompodcast.com slash 069 to see some of the photos. And also, before we went into the mania, the insanity it of the center, we actually went to release our Loi Kratong River Lanterns at a much smaller area, just a little bit further north. It's called Wat Faham, so it's a temple. And yeah, it's maybe about two kilometers up the river from that central part, which is really hard to even get into because they close a lot of roads. And so 
at Wokfaham, we actually managed to ride our motorbike straight in because we just came in from the north and it made it really, really easy to just park up. There was just a few families there. It was a pretty local vibe. You weren't getting jostled around like you are in the center where you're having to line up to get your, your lanterns and everything. So yeah, it was a really cool experience hanging out with the locals a bit. Not so many tourists at that place. No, everyone so, else was so jealous that we found that place because yeah. they were all in town, like <laughs> getting jostled by all the other tourists. But yeah. anyway, yeah, check out the show notes uh, and you can see the pictures from that experience at uh, travelfreedompodcast.com slash 069. Yeah, we'll put a link to what for ham in there as well. Because, yeah, very cool little place to get away from the crowds. We actually got to sit down by the water and properly sit around for quite a while taking photos and getting the right photos rather than be like, get in, take one photo, leave, because there's 200 people queuing behind you. I hate crowds. Yeah, it was cool. Okay, now, there is still more to come about uh, culture. We've got some temple stuff and some Thai fried chicken. But, yeah, right now... Luxury, luxury. Luxury and chicken. I'm on still chicken. We are about different things. (laughs) Do you think, like, if you had the opportunity to have a private jacuzzi on your balcony, that you'd be up for that? Yes. 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 Wine glasses at the ready? Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. I think so. So what about if you had a luxury suite with butler service and in-room dining and a full, like, extravagant dining room set up right in your room? I'm going to say yes to that as well. You'd go with that? I would go with both of those. All right. Good to know. Well, fortunately for us, we got to road test a couple of the top luxury hotels uh, in Chiang Mai whilst we were living there. You know, it's a hard job. It's It's tough. Somebody's got to do it. Really, 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 really tough. But uh, definitely one of our favorite places in the world right now for accommodation. Um, A little place just outside of Chiang Mai. It's about an hour north. You drive up into the hills. It's a place called Panvaman Resort. Yeah, and it was amazing. This place actually made our favorite accommodation of 2015. It was the number one of all the places we stayed. It was number one. And it was like the last place we stayed in 2015. So that was lucky. Yes. Just just made it. But it's great because it just offers the traditional yet luxurious villas that come with a giant balcony and, of course, the hot tub. Oh, yes. The hot tub. And so it's all like cloaked by woodland. So clothing could be optional it can be optional if you like there's curtains and woodland so it's all very private very private time yeah and they also have a private infinity pool villa well i've got a couple of them i think and the views from you can sit in your own private infinity pool and just look out over this massive valley so rather than being cloaked by woodland and having your private nudie bath you can have your (laughs) your more open um big pool villa situation I'm like, yeah, okay, pool villas. I need to be totally. earning a bit more money so I can have a pool villa when I travel from Or now if, if you were, like, planning a perfect place to stay for a honeymoon or anniversary, like a special occasion, that would be ideal. Just mm-hmm. beautiful. Yeah, and the, the view of the jungle and the hills just goes on for miles from there, so it's such a beautiful place to be sitting around. It's actually worth checking out the photos on the show notes just for these photos at least because it's a really fantastically stunning place so travelfreedompodcast.com slash 069 for those show notes if you're looking to be a little bit closer to the action though rather than out there in the countryside then the other place we tried out was the Chiang Mai Riverside yeah so this place is actually all suites it was designed to be luxury apartments but then they decided that they were going to make it a luxury hotel suites 
instead all suites yeah so it's completely all like boutique in its design every room has its own unique design and it's all named after one of the owner's family members so there's this whole intertwining family aspect about it as well um so you can really find a room that totally makes you feel at home um yeah we did we did because we got to try out two rooms we did we tried out a couple and we just there was the second one we moved into we were just like oh yes i could live here let's just settle in forever but the other interesting thing is about it that every single piece of furniture is completely available for purchase because the owner makes all the furniture so if there's something that you happen to fall in love with you can take it with you from the couch to the chess sets to the lamps all of the chandeliers chandeliers yes you can can actually get it for yourself you can deck out your own place in exactly the same as as one of the rooms that you stay in but there's a few key points that i really liked about it other than just the rooms uh breakfast is served to your private dining room and there's a private dining room in every suite and the cool thing is it's available until 2 p.m i think that's like the latest breakfast in any hotel i've I've stayed in ever it's the way it should be everywhere cooked to order finishing breakfast at 10 a.m bullshit that's crazy i'm not up at that time no who wants to get up at 10 a.m when I can have breakfast at 2 p.m. <laughs> exactly. But Suits us. Also, each room is fitted with like the latest Apple TV, and which they actually had to import from Hong Kong because yeah, they're not, not available in Thailand. It's not in Thailand yet. How crazy is that? Yeah. And seriously, the picture was so realistic on these TVs, it was actually freaking out a little bit. <laughs> you're like, am it's I like there? It's like you're looking through someone's window or something you're like a peeping tom looking into their lives it was really realistic it's crazy so along with that personal butler service you get as well and they'll actually unpack your bags if you ask them to no she actually offered yeah we we said no "No, that's okay thank you that's what i mean (laughs) we didn't know what to do they'll do it but i was like oh no it's okay i'll put my jokes away but it would have been an interesting experience if i didn't want them to see my pants (laughs) (laughs) that's what a butler is supposed to do if you if you've ever watched jeeves and worcester on tv he unpacks his clothes and sets all his clothes out for him every day so you know you can feel like you're an old-time movie star or something yeah and And they're just totally totally on call for you the whole time yeah so it was a truly luxury experience it was really really fun and um, as we said earlier chiang mai is becoming very very global so there's also this whole fusion of Thai culture, hospitality, also mixed with sort of Western. So this place was very sort of, it was a Westernized, but still you felt like you were in Thailand. It's like a bit of both. Yeah. Like we had an oven, which was cool. Yeah, that was good. Because they're very Western and a lot of people in Thailand having ovens. But yeah. Still very much that Thai hospitality. The service is service. so Thai style. It's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Everyone is just very attentive. It's great. But speaking of fusion experiences, one of the other things we did that's not hotel related is uh, we went out on a very fun food experience. What? We went on a food experience? We went to Rustic and Blue's Farm to Table. And Rustic and Blue is like a little restaurant that's actually quite near to where we were living, but their farm to table thing, they drive you out into the countryside, sit you down by a river. It's really, really cool. We had Chef Julien from Quebec. So, as I said, it was an international experience for sure. Um, He uses only fresh local ingredients to create like a unique foodie experience uh, once a month. They do it once a month at the moment. They might start doing it more. I don't know because it seems like it's getting pretty popular. It is. And yeah, perfect little outdoor setting right by the river. It's really nice. So, let's listen to a clip of us eating tasty food and maybe of having a little bit too much drinks. 
by this point. Oops. Our entire experience here at Rustic and Blues Farm Table is it's a sort of it's a long evening of enjoyment. So we arrived here about 5:30 p.m. and it's now 9:30 and we've just got the main course. So it's been this sort of extended foodie and drinky experience. Like, it's just like fucking. You must feel out. exhilarated when like, yeah, I was like, yeah. 
than just yeah. the barbecue sauce, which I'm not going to tell you what goes in it, but it's, okay. um, it's really outstanding. <laughs> and oh, right. even the broccoli is like deep fried yeah, or deep something. Fried. Oh, so good. Yeah, deep fried broccoli. Yeah, I don't think I've had deep fried broccoli before. I, I usually do it with uh, Brussels sprouts. So it's kind of, thank God you didn't today. I hate Brussels sprouts. Yeah, man, but deep, deep fried Brussels sprouts, it's kind of takes the bitterness a little bit out of it. But good. we only have one one week of Brussels sprouts in Thailand and it was last month, so I could not use it. Then the next thing was Chinese broccoli, which we didn't have in the market, so I just ended up using regular broccoli, which is fine. It's good. It's worked out very well. I'm yeah. very happy with the broccoli. You know, like, that's the point. You adapt. It's the whole point of farm to table. If it's, yeah. if it's not in the market, well, you just use something else. That's it. Yeah. Oh, it was good. It was good food. It was really good food. Everything was great. Was I remember of it. Slow roasted <laughs> ribs were pretty amazing. They were really tasty. And yeah. also the like roasted marrow, just the bone marrow. I really enjoyed the beetroot and smoked salmon salad. Yeah. That was really fantastic. Yeah, I think pretty much everything was good. But yeah, I think totally the real win was the ambience. You know, it was secluded and peaceful by the riverside with all the fairy lights. It was like, you know, hipstertopia. But then combine that with the fact that we had locally made craft beer, two choices of locally made craft beer on tap. On tap! Very nice. And uh, there's not a lot of craft beer around in Thailand that's actually locally made. It's mostly all imported from like the US and Australia and Europe. So it's actually really nice to have a local making the beer. Totally. And he did a good job. And there was wine as well. And so this is like, I would say, like unlimited drink. Yeah, it was unlimited alcohol. That is why we might have got a bit drunky talky in the clip. (laughs) Because it's like, hey, have as much craft beer and red wine as you want. And we're like, hey, that's the stuff I like. Because in Thailand, those are the two things that you are going to pay a lot more for most of the time. So So that whole evening, including the unlimited drinks, the transport, and of course, the delicious meal was just $45 USD. Yeah, and that's amazing because that's a gourmet evening with an international chef and craft beer and wine, all that. I mean, shit, you go out in, in Australia and it's $45 for the wine, you just one bottle. You can't even really get a meal now at the pub that's less than 45 bucks. <laughs> nah, depends, nah which pub. depends which, which pub, pub you go to. You can get a meal for 10 to $15. But I don't think it's going to be quite the same standard no. as a farm's table experience. And um, we even saw the pigs, but you know we shouldn't talk about that. No, we that ate was their pet. They said they said they oh, wouldn't eat the pig. They wouldn't eat that one. No, they wouldn't eat that pig because that's their pet. I don't know where the other pigs came from. <laughs> They're in a different <laughs> pen around the corner where the food pigs go. Yes, yeah. uh, whatever they did to the pig, it was it was worth it. Thank you, pig. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. We appreciate pig. you. Do appreciate you. So more food coming up in the rest of this episode. Uh, we're going to be visiting Chiang Mai's most popular weekly market. But before that, we did actually take a little excursion from the city because just a few hours to the north is one of the most unique temples in the world. This place is pretty incredible. So we have a clip from us there talking about the insanity. We have come to see probably one of the most impressive temples in the whole of northern Thailand, if not the whole of Thailand. This is stunning, stunning. The White Temple, or Wat Rong Khun, is just a few kilometers south of Chiang Rai, and it is probably the most ostentatious, ridiculously over-ornamented temple I've ever seen. It's really beautiful. It actually was 
an old temple that was falling into disarray in the late 20th century until a local visual artist decided to resurrect it using his own money. So the fact that it's completely white and he's used shards of glass in the design so the sunlight just reflects off it so it's just literally sparkling. Yeah, you might even know the name of this temple as the White Temple, that's what all the tourists call it. It's pretty world famous now, there was an earthquake that happened here a couple of years ago where it was damaged. But no, we were freaking yeah. out. We couldn't make it here, we were last in this area in 2011 and due to a very silly accident we couldn't make it up here. And when the earthquake happened, we were really freaking out because there was talks that it was really badly damaged and you couldn't visit it anymore. So we really didn't know what to expect turning up today, but it is stunning. And there are certainly people getting around checking it out. Everyone's walking across it and taking millions of photos and such. So it is very much open. It is very much still standing. And most of the ornamentation seems to have either been repaired or have survived the earthquake. Exactly. So the reason why it's painted white is in representation of the purity of Buddha and I believe they said the glass put into it is like his knowledge it reflects his wisdom his, his wisdom, wisdom and teachings is the glass so reflecting out to everyone I can't think of many better words than spectacular if you've seen any sort of Asian or Thai especially Buddhist architecture you know how they have all the, the dragon shapes and the sort of half human half animals and it's always like very curly and little little spiky bits going out everywhere you know very very ornamented and this is a whole new level of that and just the fact that it's bright white with all the glass reflecting constantly twinkling in the sunlight it's just yeah awe inspiring it really it. is stunning and as soon as the sun like went behind a cloud and came out from a cloud it sort of the roof changed color it suddenly went yellowy we're just waiting for the sun to start going down a little more so we get a bit more yellow tints coming through in the white. Yeah, and who knows what colours will happen if it starts getting pink in the sky. The, the glass will just reflect that, one would assume, and I guess we yeah. can end up with some really interesting colours. Maybe. I think the most interesting thing is, although it closes at 5.30 here, this is right next to a road and it's completely open. You know, with a lot of attractions, there'll be a big wall or a fence or a load of trees around it, so you have to go inside. But this, you can literally just walk along the road and take photos. So you could come down here at sunrise, at sunset, um, well, after it's closed, without any real issue by the looks of things. You can still get some great photos. And of course, entry is entirely free. Yeah, which They is do great. ask for donations because the whole area isn't actually complete yet. The White Temple is done, but they're working on different areas um, of the temple grounds. So like to create a home where monks can live and there's a few other buildings. There's a really stunning gold building just across from where the White Temple is as well. Well, the Golden Temple behind us is supposed to represent wealth. Desire. And the real wealth and desire and the White Temple is supposed to be reflecting Buddha's wisdom upon that to say, well, actually, you should focus on the mind more than on, on wealth. Exactly. It's things. drawing your attention away from that desire of gold and wealth. And, and it works. It is, because, yeah, the Golden Temple seems almost subdued in the corner behind this sparkling white beautiful building yeah and then after taking a look around the outside which is impressive enough we did go inside the the compound as well and the main room right inside is filled with all of the usual sort of buddhist iconography of course because that's what they worship there but they got this 
sort of bonus modern twist. Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was yeah. really cool. A lot of people don't like this, but they had like Batman and Superman and Neo from the Matrix, along with like heaps of other popular characters. I think there was even like SpongeBob SquarePants. Yeah. It's all this like sort of so good versus evil kind of thing continuing on. And so it was like modern good guys and bad guys. There was Darth Vader as well. Yeah. So they're all sort of done into miniature mural icon and things on the wall. So it's like little little Darth Vader sort of hidden in the, the designs and things like that. So it's really interesting. A guy who did this is just, uh, he's got a crazy mind. He's kooky. He's way out there. But as I well like as it. that. I like his kooky brain. Yeah, he is cool. The actual walkway into the temple is surrounded by all these like demon statues and all these lost souls who've been trapped in the underworld and all you can see is their hands sticking out and they're trying to reach up to escape. It's, yeah, they're, they're reaching at your feet as you walk over the little walkway into the temple. It's like the gates of evil. And then you straight into this sort of pure sanctuary of, of niceness where Buddha lives in the middle. Yeah. So everything is just carved so perfectly. It's even more impressive. I know you've probably seen pictures of it on the internet and stuff like that, but it's just even more impressive up close. And it is still very controversial, this particular temple, because many of the traditional Buddhists have complained that it's an abomination because it was an old temple that's been made modernized. So they're like, ah, they kind of get the shits with it. Yeah, I mean, we're not Buddhist, obviously. And it's hard to sort of look at it that way, because when you actually look at it, you're like, wow, this is incredible. You have to see it as art and not expect it to be a traditional Buddhist temple, because it is not that in any way, shape, or form. No. And, I mean, it's still a work in progress, too, so there's still other things that the uh, artist is planning on expanding, and, yeah, you can see where it's, uh, would they're going to change it. So, you know, we'll have to go back in a couple of years to see what they've done to it. Yeah, well, it's already taken him, like, 20 years, and he's only done half of it, although I think he's getting more and more funding as it becomes more impressive, so it's going to up the yeah. rate, hopefully then get everything done. But, like, the main section is done and it's incredible and then they've got like another section behind that which they'll probably start working on next but yeah super super worth going we tried to go there in 2011 it didn't happen and when we got to go this time it really was worth the wait completely still overwhelmed with how good it was okay finally in this episode today of course if you're going to go to Chiang Mai you can't avoid doing some street food no matter what you do, you've got to do street food. Otherwise, you haven't really been to Chiang Mai or Thailand for that matter. Chiang Mai has a very popular Sunday walking market. So we headed down there to see what was going on. We have made it to the Sunday walking street market in Chiang Mai. Right in the center of Chiang Mai from Taipei Gate, which is the East Gate. You just head straight west out of that gate into the main old city, the old walled city. And you can't miss it because the street is so full of people. It's like being at a rock concert. It's like shoulder to shoulder all the way along. It's pretty crazy. Really busy. Eating. Eating. We're eating. Because we just got here, we had to eat. It's very important to eat. But no, we just walked straight into where it actually, during the day, it's a Wat, which is a temple. But on the Sunday nights when the walking market's on, they have all these food stalls open up. Uh, so we walked in here and the first thing that we spotted that looked really tasty was some deep fried chicken. Mm, yeah. And it's good. Mm. Can't go wrong with Thai deep fried chicken. Pretty awesome. No. But um, I don't actually know what I'm in the mood for tonight. We're doing a bit of a roaming street food walking thing where 
where you just grab a bit here, grab a bit there, snack on something, snack on something else. You know, just walk around grazing for about an hour. And it normally ends up being pretty tasty. We've seen some quail eggs. They serve a little box of quail eggs. Ten quail eggs is like 20 baht or 30 baht, which is less than a dollar. It's a nice big piece of deep fried chicken, which is a leg and a thigh or something. Is That's just under a dollar as well. So yeah, Thai fried chicken. Oh, it's just always good. It It's always good. I don't know what they do. I don't know what they do. I need a recipe to see what they're doing differently, but it's definitely a big step up from KFC. <laughs> just, it's good stuff. And with those busier markets, when you go there, you're almost certainly going to get it super fresh and straight out the fryer because they've got that's a lot of turnover. Yeah, because you don't want one that's been sitting out for two hours at some market where no one's there. So yeah, that's definitely a benefit of going to the Sunday market. It's pretty freaking crazy busy at the Sunday market, but brave the crowds and you are going to get all of the freshest stuff, which is great. So there was more than just chicken to explore, though, and, and to digest. Of course, yeah. Because it's a really big market and there's a lot of food stalls. You're never going to try them all. So what else did we get? Let's play another clip and find out. So the main street as you walk down is mostly for sort of clothing and souvenirs and artwork. Lots and lots of imagery with elephants and tigers and that sort of thing. Paintings. You can buy some random hats if you like. And of course all colourful things with the odd food stall in between. And as you're walking down, it's about 60% foreigners, including like Chinese tourists and other countries, and maybe about 40% Thai. Maybe locals or maybe people who've just come to Chiang Mai for a break for a holiday. And if you want to see a kid playing ukulele and spinning a hula hoop at the same time, this is obviously the place to come. street performers and musicians all the way along the street. Some better than others, just like the lady playing a traditional instrument there. Slightly better than a kid playing a ukulele really, really, really badly. And there was an awful violinist earlier as well, which was fun. And as you walk along the main street, there's actually quite a few temples. And they're all open, and each one has yet more shopping or food inside. We've just come to Watsum Pao, and this definitely appears to have some more food in, so we're going to have to go and find some munchies. And we got a little steak stool right underneath a dragon, serving some chicken steaks, pork steaks, right next to this traditional dragon that's actually part of the temple. And then right next to that is like this pretend tuk-tuk that's actually an ice cream stand. 
all painted up in white and baby blue. <laughs> it's an interesting mix of modern and traditional and your standard sort of street food stalls. And this whole market, this whole street market area, it's all no alcohol, no smoking for the whole place. So it's quite nice that people aren't like, smoking right in your face or burning cigarettes on your arm because it's quite a busy place and you're obviously shoulder to shoulder everywhere. It's a little sad we can't have a drink. But there's lots of other things to excite our taste buds. Grilled corn, chicken on a stick. And we just found the dumpling lady. And these dumplings look pretty... very happy. Nick loves dumplings. The dumplings here are quite different from what you might expect back in Australia or America, right? I mean, we've got green ones here. Yeah, and there's like black with like, it's like a nori around the outside or something. Like like a sushi kind of thing, but but a dumpling. Sushi dumpling. And so you can have your pork ones, which are about five pieces for 20 baht. And then your shrimp ones, which look particularly nice. And then there's this like crabs that's been like, they've got, take all the insides out and then they've mixed it with stuff. And then they've just shoved it back into the crab. So it's... It's probably like crab. it's like crab meat blended with rice and a few other things and then shoved back in the shell of the crab. Yeah. It's definitely pretty interesting. Mixed ones and then noodle rolls and I think I might have tried. Do you want shrimp or do you want pork? Uh, the shrimp one's probably more interesting. Yeah, true. Random green shrimp ones. Yeah. Let's do that. Okay. Okay, time to eat these shrimp dumplings. So she's put four of them into a plastic bag with a whole bunch of curry and a good old smothering of sauce. So actually get it out. Yeah, they're very moist. Like they're like fresh, 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 fresh. So trying to get them like with the pokey stick out of the bag is a little difficult. It's a big mouthful, isn't it? Big mouthful. <laughs> big mouthful. But yeah, very fresh. It's actually very sweet. Surprisingly yeah. sweet. Oh yeah, the yellow one is much more sweeter than the green one. Yeah, the yellow one's crazy sweet. Too sweet, actually, really. I don't particularly like it. So I want to try the green one. Alright, you try the green. So yeah, so there's green dough around the outside of this sort of shrimp, mashed up shrimp paste. And I'm going to eat the entire thing in one, am I? It's going to be insane. Oh, yeah, just shove it in there. No, you went half. You wussed out. Mm. The green one is definitely better, but it, the outside shell definitely has like a almost a hint of cake. Yeah, I don't know. I think I'm going to stick with regular dumplings from now on. Yeah. But hey, we tried it. Yeah, we tried it out. It hasn't really worked out for us. See, there you go. Not everything we feature on this podcast is good. Occasionally, we eat something that's horrible. Another little street food favorite they've got here that isn't really Thai food exactly, but they've got waffles. Eating waffles right now. Yeah, waffles are good. So you can get them usually with um, honey or with chocolate or with banana. I did actually see a shredded pork waffle, which I think would be weird. This one has choc chip in it. It's like a plain waffle with choc chip. And it's just out of the press and it's soft and wonderful. Crispy bits. Mm. Crispy bits on the outside, gooey bits in the middle. It's pretty awesome. Of course, they do actually have lots of more traditional foods as well. We saw loads of curries in pots. You can get curry with rice. You get some pad thais, of course, other sort of noodles and whatever. But we've been here for three months and we're like, we've had enough of eating the same Thai food every day. That's why we're eating fried chicken and waffles. Uh, we're pretty bad tourists, really, aren't we? 
fried chicken and waffles. Sounds like we're in Oklahoma or something. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we tried a few local things, but um, there's just something special about eating the sort of Thai-style versions of these westernized foods as well from a street cart. They do their waffles really nice. They do, and they put like... Yeah, we had a chocolate chip one, and then they do banana ones, and they do lots of different flavors. I've never had, like, different flavored waffles anywhere else. Yeah. So, it was tasty stuff. If you can fight through the crowds, we highly recommend going and eating lots of food at the Sunday Walking Market. Okay, what time is it? It's homework time! Of course it is. So we are actually taking another break from podcasting for March. As we said at the start of the episode, we're going to have to focus 100% on the Travel Blog Monetization Virtual Summit, which you can check out at travelblogsummit.com if you want more info on that. If you're a travel blogger and you want to learn how these travel bloggers like us are making the money, you want to check that out? (laughs) But as we said as well, this is also a part one of Chiang Mai because obviously we spent three months in Chiang Mai. It's one of those destinations that a lot of location independent people are going to live. So many nomads there. We figured not only would you like to learn about the, the touristy stuff that's interesting, but also about the actual lifestyle stuff. Totally. And we did a lot of that. So that's going to be coming up in April for part two in episode 71. Oops. But for travel homework, I'm going to set for you today. We actually are trying to figure out where we're going to travel to in 2016. Currently in Australia, visiting family, and we're not entirely certain where to go this year. So I want you to tweet us at MyTravelFreedom where your favorite places in the world to visit are and why you reckon we should visit. Yeah, and, you know, where would you like us to go so that we can make a podcast about it? Yeah. You know, we can go and find some local stuff and some nomad stuff in anywhere around the world and tell you all about it. So, yeah, just tweet us at My Travel Freedom, And we'll see you guys in April. Thanks for listening to the Travel Freedom Podcast. Show notes and resources for this episode are waiting for you at TravelFreedomPodcast.com. So join us again for Money Mondays to learn how to supercharge your online income. Or for Travel Thursdays, where we'll help you travel like a prince on a pauper's budget. We are waiting for your comments and feedback, so tweet us at MyTravelFreedom. Or email info at TravelFreedomPodcast.com. I'm Tomo. And I'm Megzy. Catch us again on Mondays and Thursdays on the Travel Freedom Podcast. Bye for now. Bye.